Welcome to 50 Years of Rainbow Activism, a podcast about change, love, resilience and the LGBTQI plus community in Scotland. My name's Dom and supported by Pink Saltire and Our Story Scotland. I spent a month travelling around the country interviewing members of the LGBTQI plus community who are aged over 50. In sharing their stories here, we want to celebrate what our community enjoyed today, reflect on what it was once like to be LGBTQI plus in Scotland, and now what it's like to be seen as a community elder. In this episode, we meet three members of the community. They share some thoughts or maybe even opinions and reflect on some worries about getting older. To begin, let me introduce Donald. He's the treasurer of Our Story Scotland and starts us off with a bit of culture. No, I thank every day. I thank the Citizens Theatre because it was just such a wonderful institution for gay people. We were very, very lucky in Glasgow with Glasgow for all these years. I mean, that was a bold thing to do: take over the east end of the town and the major major venues and they got to get sell the hotcakes. Um, that was a spoil I spoiled you. For a month of a year you got gay theatre culture and everything flung at you. Where else? You wouldn't get even that in France, you know, or, or any of the foreign European countries. In fact Europeans came here to see it. And a lot of them that's that's how they're based. Um, no, I think we're very lucky with, with Glasgow. Um, even Edinburgh was a bit envious, I think, about the gay scene in, in Glasgow and, and activities. If they were honest, admitted it, but they don't really. Um, but I, I, I went to Edinburgh stuff as well, I went to Lyceum a lot. And uh, Lyceum was always being in the books for doing some brave plays and whatnot. And Travis as well, of course. Uh, when it was Travis upstairs, it was in the cow, what do you call it, the, the, the Royal Mile. Um, now we, we've, we've been spoiled with some of the culture we've had in this part of the world. Now it's a bit more niche, it's a bit more, I'm seeing the culture now spreading a wee bit more ambitious to drag acts. And a guy that's going to be a new pub, which is going to have drag acts all the time in that East End. Um, when that will come about, I don't know. But we've experimented in Glasgow too. We had, um, we've had clubs galore here, and some have been successful, some not successful. You know. Um, no, for my life it was always great. It was good. We were spoiled. There's nothing you can do better than show people the history of their ilk, and we try our best to gather, archive and retell, and that's the most important part of it, retell the younger and following generations. Watch what you're doing, don't go back a step, because it took us so long. If you like your freedom, if you like your liberty and your ways and means, 
watch what you're doing. Sounds all fuddy-duddy, doesn't it, from a 68-year-old man? But um, it was such a hard... And some people didn't make it. We know of at least 12, 12 or 13 people who... Lovely people, but they just did not make it. And either through drugs, drink, or AIDS. Um, it's just a small percentage of people that people know each but when you gather them together it's a huge sacrifice and some people just didn't have the patience you know they gave up um, some people endured went through it repeated themselves every year went to pride every year and well the proof of the pudding is to manage it well I think we have but it's not the be all and end all there's still prejudice out there maybe shows its ugly face a lot more often now than it used to I think we're a very intolerant bunch, angry it's what some people said to me the other day there's a lot of angry people out there and they're not nice to people um, don't give them ammunition you know don't give them the ammo show them by degree, show them by your performance, show them by your actions that you, you can make things better. Don't be too quick to judge. Listen to people. Read about things. Get yourself educated. If you don't like something, read about it. Educate yourself about it. Get it to be an expert in the subject. Bore people to death. But at least you're doing something about it. At least you're, you're, you're gaining knowledge about it. I think a lot of frustration nowadays is everybody wants to be professional tomorrow. Can't be done. Cannot be done. You cannot be a professional overnight. You have to do some work. Sadly, a lot of young uh, gay men now might not be employed or employable. And, and we went through the years of the 70s with high unemployment in Scotland, you know. But we found that a lot of these youngsters, they did things with their spare time. Time is the most valuable commodity you've got. It's finite. <laughs> Depending on luck, you may have a long one or a short one. It doesn't matter. The thing is, you've got to live life as if tomorrow's your last. And that's the way of it. I've always lived my life that way. You treat people as you be, you be done by. Um, and I think young people can learn a lot from that. I would make mentoring of young gay people compulsory. Because they talk a good game as we talked a good game. But I don't think the confidence or knowledge is there. So they need training. Mentoring is the answer. LGBT people in care homes are very much not thought of. And that goes from just conversation, ideas, exchange of life. They are just completely ignored. You know? What we should really have is completely gay guest house for male and females. Uh, and you could do it by one floor and another floor if you wanted segregation or just leave it open. You know? So uh, on your back of your mind you're thinking, especially if you're single, if you're single, you, 
you think about it every day, you get up, don't you? I mean, you know, God, touch wood, thank God I'm halfway healthy. Um, we had an experience of some older people in our organisation, and he was a very unhappy old man, died a very unhappy old man. A lot of his private possessions were given away, you know, you, you know. Practically, I can understand that because he had a huge amount of stuff in his flat and just wasn't practical. But he, I think, was given little choice in the matter. They just heaved stuff out, you know, books, pamphlets, and he was very, very much attached to his books and things like that. And I don't think he really got the chance to say he or me. Um, older LGBT people... It's a shame because a lot of them, I mean, he, I mean, Monty was monitored and he had help come in, usually women, to get himself dressed and washed of a morning. <laughs> and he said to me one day when I was over visiting him, he said, why can't I have a male nurse come down again? At least, you know, as a, as a change. They never think I might be a bit embarrassed at two women washing me. And it's, it's, it's true, it's, it's a thought, I mean, you know. I wonder if Monty ever got his male carers. Now to Edinburgh where we joined Denise, a specialist performance psychologist who came out later in life. Regarding trans equality and mm. rights for trans mm. people and non-binary people mm. and currently that's been pathologised mm. similarly. Stop. Conversations. First of all we have to have cameras within our own selves. So before I can have a conversation with you, I have to get calm enough about it that I can have a conversation with me. So first of all, I would suggest that we all get conversations with ourselves. And then we start to meet in tiny groups and bigger groups and bigger groups until we can tolerate and, and, and get a plan for the strategy changes that we need to put in place for the society that we constructed, not me personally, was constructed around us. It's not serving us. It's not up to date. And I really hope that the... LGBTQ community lead the way. I want us to lead the way and, and, and not be in fighting. But it's not about in fighting, it's about existence. And I suppose that may be why I so connect with the trans community. Because they don't exist. Who they are, who they want to be, both on the inside, the outside. It has to all join up to feel healthy and you need to feel safe inside yourself and outside. But don't do it all once. Don't oh, let's not just take pride in this, you know, any others, and just stick them all. It needs to be done in gradual process, but we don't have time, so we need to do it gradually, fast. That's <laughs> my advice. <laughs> With great haste, let's take our time, do the steps, and get there. We have to change the society. We can We are the society, and it's not representing the people that we are today. But it's not representing the people who we will always have been. We're not just inventing this. It's not just coming to play, and that I think is 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 really important. It, it's just like this is part of being a human. It's humanistic. It's normal, and we are just wrapping ourselves in knots by ever in ever decreasing circles. And please, humans, breathe, stop, speak to yourself. I'm worried for everybody actually because. With pensions the way they are, I think everybody's in trouble. But I'm concerned about these people who are hidden 
I'm concerned about people who are going to be treated by people who don't understand them. So one of the things that's come out of this for me is how much I'd like the care community to be up to speed. Um, I'm concerned about prisons. I'm concerned why there's so many people in prison, but I'm more concerned about the trans in prisons. Um, why am I concerned about that? Because it just feels so fucking safe and, and, and unnecessarily so. Unnecessarily so. If you come to my house and you use my toilet, you use my toilet. I don't have a sign that says which one I am. Why am I suddenly bothered if I step to a restaurant? Oh, please make it stop. It's ridiculous. Why am I so bothered? Because it costs lives. In Scotland, because there are no care facilities for older LGBT people in the whole country, older LGBT people go back into the closet mm-hmm. when they go into a care setting. I've got, I'm holding my head in my hands. I hadn't thought of it. That's a nightmare. Please set up your own care and community services with immediate effect. We need to start um, funding funding now. Maybe part of why I'm not so bothered is because Ali's lovely, younger than me. I can't imagine going back into life I want the whole of my life to be learning and growing. I would be devastated to spend the last 10 or 20 years of my life in an environment, how unenriching, I would would last a day. To be honest, if you wanted to kill me, that would probably be it. Because that re-traumatisation of not being recognised as I am and, and met with that kind of care... It was hard enough when I didn't know I was being traumatised. To go back in with awareness and do it would be unacceptable. And if there's anybody who's in that position, please would you speak to Dom or me or somebody because we've got to get you into a safe place. Why should we end up the last 20 years, 10, 20 years of our lives not growing but shrinking? If you were born now, how different do you think your life would be? Oh my god! <laughs> I don't even know where to start. I don't know where to start. I have lots of fantasies going went whoosh! And would, again, a question nobody's ever asked me before. I would not be... I would have had a, a, a different... Would I have had a different childhood? I would have had sexual experiences earlier with women. Please don't think I was celibate. It's just never going to happen. But I, I think from my reaction, I would have had more glee. I sounded so ecstatic and excited. There was a relief in that, in, in, in that. It's been so fucking complicated, so complex, and such a journey of, like, it's be, it's, it feels a bit like the pioneers, you know, it's a bit of a journey of hell and fire. But I, of course I wouldn't change any of it. But I did hear my voice right away, the excitement and the glee. 
If they'd known I was left-handed, oh my God. Life would have been so simple then. And I'd have had a whole bunch of other stuff I'd have fucked up and mucked up and had to learn and grow from. You know, I wouldn't, I'd have had a, a different bit of learning for, the, for society to do. Um, so absolutely no regret. And of course now you can imagine my grief for life uh, and my joy. I'm home. So going back to what the LG, what you asked me about the LGBT, if we need to find our way home to ourselves and back to each other, because we were never that far away, and before all the constructs and shame and all of that, I'm sure, what was life like, and and what would it be like beyond that again? I don't regret having lived through the era I've lived through on any of the things I've done because it's given me unique experiences. But I don't want anybody else to feel not good enough or their existence is in question or unsafe. We can't heal the past if we can't integrate the trauma. We can't integrate the trauma without these timelines. So with Urgency, care, great attention to steps and huge speed, we need to get these timelines in place. Because once we have them in place, we'll also have our mentors and our history and, and we'll know who we are. It's so destabilizing. Denise is certainly helped by contributing to this project. Now to Neil, who I joined in Paisley. He shares some thoughts about being a gay man and growing older. He even has some theories. Do you think that there is room for older LGBT people? <laughs> no. No, I, I mean, I think that it's funny, you know, um, I often say, in fact, I said it before that, I remember being 40, you know, and um, the, the, I think that the gay community is really ageist. And um, and I have, I have a, 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 my partner's like 18 years younger than me, Um my partners I've had before that have all been similar age to me, but um, but there's a real there's a real ageism I think in the gay community, and um, there's no question about it, you know. And I remember being young and being in clubs and being in bars and seeing older guys often sometimes hanging about themselves. Probably I don't know what I don't. Did it cross my mind as to why they were there themselves back then? Did I think, oh, they must be lonely, that must be awful, or whatever? Did I, no, I never thought that. I don't know what I thought. Um, and I, mean, I, go, I, I go to gay, gay clubs now, and I just feel like I'm an old man. I mean, I'm 50, um, and I don't feel part of it. Um, is there, there's other bars where older guys go, and you probably feel a bit, a bit more comfortable. Um some of the bigger, better, whatever you want to call them, type of clubs, no, there's a, a it, it, you, you feel, it's almost like you feel that like people are looking at you as if to say, what are you doing here? You know, they don't belong there. So that, that community that I was part of, you know, that social thing, which was really my experience of growing up uh, gay, I don't feel part of that. And I don't go to it now, I rarely go to it, um, probably go, I'll go to gay bars less and less probably gay clubs much less than I used to. Every now and again you'll end up out and be a night out and then it'll be, and then and I'll, I'll leave and I'll think, oh, God. <laughs> so no. 
Do you think the community can do more to be more inclusive to LGBT elders, like bookshops or cafes? I think so. I think, yeah, absolutely. I think I think that there could be more community spaces for older LGBT people. There's no question about it. I always laugh because I'm in the care industry, you know, um, but primarily, you know, I'm in the poverty industry is what I would say, um, which is good because you'll, you'll never be out of a job. You know, you might never be rich, but you'll certainly never be out of a job. But yeah. Being in the, in the kind of care sector, I do think about what are the needs of much older LGBT people and what would I want, what might I want. My dad's um, 83 and he's he's increasingly infirm and older and we're looking at sheltered housing, for example, for my dad. And I'm thinking, what's going to happen to me when I get to that age? You know, gays are fickle and I hate to stereotype them in that way. I don't know what the incidence of is of people living together for a long time in partnerships is, but I pretty much suspect that, okay, I have this theory, right? How can you be born in a society that tells you from your youngest age and from your earliest sensibilities that you're wrong and everything about you is wrong and the way you live your life and the way you think and feel is fundamentally wrong and and, and wrong is is, is a tame explanation you know, that you're depraved, that you're disgusting, you know, that you're, that you're all those things. And it not affect your identity, your self of being, your sense of self-worth, who you are as a person. How can, it, it, of course it affects how you are. How does that affect the way in which you have relationships with people then? How does that affect, you know, and when I say that, I mean, you know, meaningful relationships with partners. It affects it adversely, I would say. And it's difficult, I think, for a lot of gay people, men and women, because of everything that they've been through, just simply growing up, to have healthy, nurturing relationships with other adults. I, I think it's probably the reason why there's a high incidence of separation in short-term relationships amongst the gay community. There's no question about that. That's my theory in my mind. So, ergo, you're going to get to later in life and probably be single. You know, I think that older gay people are definitely going to experience greater levels of loneliness. I think loneliness is a thing for older people in the older community. Full stop, there's no question about that. I know that from seeing my own dad, who's married and had five children. And still feels lonely. Um, so is there a place for sheltered housing and, and elderly places for you know, older people's homes for, for gay people? Would I want to be cared for in one of those places? I would, actually. Because somebody asked me about that, and why would you just want to be in a generic kind of, you know, way mainstream, other straight? And well, actually, I don't actually. I want to be somewhere where I feel people really understand me, understand my history, understand my needs, understand where I've been. All of that, I want to be somewhere like that. Is what I would say. So that that's one part of it, and of course, adding to the loneliness has been the history of older gay people, this generation, perhaps not having their own kids. Um, in fact, that, and that's that's what that's what split my partner and I that were together for seventeen years up. Um, he had a baby, and um, and it was a test case in Scotland actually. Um, so before this was a regular thing, um, nearly twenty years ago, um, he had a shared parenting arrangement and had an artificial insemination with a lesbian couple and. They wanted to keep the baby and he wanted parental rights and they went to court and it was it was basically test law, it was case law that was made to basically because um, at that time I hadn't been heard in a court in Scotland. So he was the first to have that. So he has a son and his son's 20 or something now, you know. So 
Um, I never wanted to be a parent, probably since. I don't know if I never wanted to be a parent because at an early age you're programmed into thinking at that time certainly you're gay so you can't be a parent. It's never going to happen. You know, so you don't you don't mentally prepare yourself for it. Older people having that distance from youth um, it doesn't matter if they're, they're, they're gay or not. You know, there's that distance that age distance where they're living very different lives from, from they have different values, different priorities from perhaps what I had or people who are even older than me had. So I often watch old gays, you know, there's a YouTube um you ever watch old gays? So there's a YouTube channel. Okay, so there's a black you've seen, so you've seen it. Old old gays listen to and they do these, but old gays listen to, old gays go on grinder, old gays, and, and so it's about that. And I think it's really interesting, right? Because it's it's just about that whole, um, they're from a different world. And it's nothing to do with, it's not about being gay or lesbian or bias, it's nothing to do with that, it's just to do with time. Talking about time, next time, here's a sneak peek from the lovely David Thomas. Of all ye persons of goodwill, from Newton Mearns to Maryhill, rattle the chains and launch the boat, and get it properly afloat, I bash this poem against the bow, and I name it GGLC, and endow its future cruise with benedictions, sailing past all feuds and frictions. Come all ye lovers and affairs, singles, Discreet souls and bears, straightest of straights, the bentest of bents, carbolic scrubs and their nanny scents, Doc Martin girls, oh, many kilt boys, buyers of exotic toys, opera queens and ballet queens and all the hesitant in-betweens, trendsetters and anoraks, underdogs looking for wecks, Indomitably spring-heeled dykes, or sweeping up in mountain bikes. Jessies with attitude, closet cases. Solicitors with bright red braces. Levies with a coloured hanky. To signal the right kind of hanky-panky. Lurex and spandex and other excesses. To mix the senses and the sexes. But... If you should prefer a suit, I'll certainly no pit you out, for this is where we all can meet, down by the river in Dixon Street, and the Brumelaw rolls on to the sea with the happy cargo of the GGLC. Thanks for listening to 50 Years of Rainbow Activism. The series was organised by Pink Saltire, funded by the National Lottery Communities Fund Scotland, and special thanks to Our Story Scotland for archiving our interviews at the National Library of Scotland. To find out more or to get involved in similar projects, please visit pinksaltire.com.